0: The Peter Schiff Show. The U.S. stock markets ended the week with a two day rally. In fact, the Dow Jones closed up better than 200 points today, back above the 16,000 level. I think 1690, up 210. NASDAQ, even stronger day, up 119 closed at 4591 so almost back up to 4600 the rally actually began early yesterday morning and not just in stocks uh, oil had a huge uh, rally in fact today alone crude was up $2.72 back above $30 at $32.25 I think earlier this week on the lows we were at 27 and a or so for a barrel of crude what sparked the rally was comments made by Mario Draghi at an ECB press conference that followed their official statement that they were leaving interest rates unchanged. They're they're already negative. And I guess maybe some people thought that maybe they would make them a bigger negative number. They didn't do that. And right about that time, the Dow futures were already down 100 points. And it wasn't looking too good uh, for, for the U.S. Open. But then Mario Draghi had his press conference, and in his press conference, he said there was no limit, no limit, not just whatever it takes, but there are no limits to what the ECB is prepared to do to generate more inflation in Europe. And he basically said that at their next meeting in March, you know, they may announce some additional stimulus, whether they're going to cut rates or do bigger QE. He didn't really say specifically. remember the last time Mario Draghi had been hinting about more stimulus, he didn't deliver. And the markets were very disappointed. But he saw the weakness in the markets and basically decided to take one for the Fed. Because ultimately, I think it's the Federal Reserve that's going to have to come out with a we're going to do whatever it takes kind of no limit comment. I don't think QE from the ECB is going to be enough, even if the JGB over in Japan joins the party. uh, It's not going to be a real party until the Federal Reserve uh, shows up. But this was enough to cause a small rally, a short covering rally in the markets. What's most interesting, though, about the Draghi comments, he specifically addressed the problem in his mind of oil prices being too low and food prices being too low. So he's worried about this. Now, do you think anybody in wor- Europe sits around worrying that food is too inexpensive, right? That the f- price of food didn't go up enough, right? Somebody goes to a shopping you know, supermarket in Europe and they go and buy something, you know, and they, you know, they buy some meat or they buy some vegetables and they're upset that the price is too similar to the price they paid last year. They're worried that it's not higher by at least 2%, right? Then if they can even remember what they paid last year, right? They're upset that the price is only 1% higher than it was last year, not 2% higher. This is what worries Mario Draghi. He's so worried that prices aren't up by 2% for food and energy that he's going to do whatever it takes, that there's no limit to what the ECB is prepared to do. They'll print all the money they have to to make sure that eating is more expensive in Europe. And if you have to drive your car... To the supermarket, Mario Draghi wants to make sure that it costs you more money to get there. And once you get there, the food you buy costs you more to take it back. I mean, this is so ridiculous that the Fed, that the ECB rather is panicking and they have to do anything to make sure that eating is more expensive in Europe, that driving your car is more expensive in Europe, that heating your home is more expensive. None of these are real concerns. And the proof is, look, they've got a vat in Europe. Right. If Europe was really so concerned that gas prices were too low, just increase the tax on gas. I mean, just make gas more expensive by law. Just put a tax on. I mean, don't they love taxes in Europe? Right. This way they kill two birds with one stone. They get to raise taxes and make gas more expensive. And then they can use that extra tax revenue to fund other government programs, whatever they want to do. Right. Why go through the roundabout way of having all this QE, printing all this money and hoping that the result is higher gas prices. They can have gas prices, whatever they want. They can set a minimum. They could just set a floor for gas prices and they can say if gas is ever less than this per liter, then we'll automatically have a tax to make sure. And if they want to make sure that gas is two percent more expensive every single year, they can use the tax code to, to achieve that. The same thing with food. They can say that the price of bread has to go up 2% every year. And if it only goes up 1% one year, we'll throw a 1% tax on there. I mean, it's very simple, right? Because if this was really a problem, there is an easy government solution for it. But the truth is, it's not a problem. Everybody knows it's not a problem. Mario Draghi knows it's not a problem. He's not that stupid. But unfortunately, the people that cover them, the press and on Wall Street, they are that stupid, right? Because they actually think, that this is why the ECB wants to print money. The fact that inflation is too low is not the reason. They want to create inflation to prop up the markets. They want to prop up the stock markets. They're collapsing. Those are the prices that they're worried about being too low. Stock prices. It's not gas prices or food prices. It's stock prices. Also, of course, yes, they do want more inflation to make wages lower in Europe, to overcome all the ridiculous uh, laws that they have that make uh, wages artificially high, minimum wage being one of them, so yes, they do want inflation to erode away wages to make it easier for employers to hire people based on these foolish laws and yes, European cover- governments have a lot of debt, and so they want to create inflation to wipe out that debt. But the one motivating factor is not to make food more expensive or gas more expensive, obviously, lower food prices and lower gas prices help the European economy. They are net importers, right, of of oil, and it helps consumers in Europe. It puts more money in their pocket. It doesn't take money out of their pocket. The money you don't spend at the gas station, the money you don't spend at the supermarket, you have that extra money to spend someplace else. It is a win. But, of course, the ECB... They don't want to admit, Draghi doesn't want to admit the real reason. And of course, it's no coincidence. The stock markets are selling off. The European bourses are getting clobbered, right? And and Mario Draghi comes out and says, we're going to have more stimulus. We're going to print more money. And then we get a big rally in the stock market. And all the markets, not just the European markets, the Asian markets, the Japanese market went way up, the the Hong Kong market went way up. All the markets are soaring, the U.S. market, every market is going up because the ECB is going to print more money, which, again, only goes to show you that is the only reason these markets have been rallying. It's not about the fundamentals. It's about the central banks. But without the Fed, it's not going to work. The Fed is a central bank that's going to have to capitulate and acknowledge that more stimulus is coming. Now, the only thing people are talking about with respect to the Fed is that the Fed is going to be slower in its future rate hikes. Right. So everybody still assumes the Fed is going to be tightening. They're just going to be tightening more slowly than they were going to tighten before. Right. But that's not enough, because if the Fed is going to tighten more slowly, but Europe and maybe Japan are going to ease even more, then you still have this story of the U.S. monetary policy by comparison to Europe and Japan being tighter or less loose. And that's still going to cause some of these flows into the dollar, which is going to continue to create problems all around the world. And of course, the U.S. stock market, we aren't going to get drunk on Europe's liquor, right? We need our own bartender uh pouring the drinks right qe in europe or japan is not enough to prop up the us market is it enough to get a short covering rally sure right i mean nothing goes down in a straight line so we can have a rally in a bear market based on cheap money coming out of the ecb although it may not even happen how do we even know that draghi is going to deliver on his promise in fact one of the reasons that he promised more qe or you know, theoretically, was because oil prices were too low. Well, what if the price of oil keeps rising over the next month, too? Because because of what Draghi says, what if oil gets back above forty dollars a barrel? It's thirty-two. Maybe then they have to call off the extra easing because now he's not worried that gas prices are too low in Europe. Maybe maybe you know they've gone back to an acceptable level, but the Fed is going to have to come. And in fact, Mario Draghi went out of his way to praise Janet Yellen. I, I forget. The exact uh, words that he used, but he said that the Fed was correct to raise interest rates in December, that it was a wise decision. And he said that they pulled off the increase like magnificently or masterfully. I can't remember the, the adjective. It was it was it was high praise. It was like I mean, it was like he was like saluting like this was just some spectacular feat that they had accomplished. I mean, how hard is it? You can raise rates. I mean, big deal. But he was lauding them with praise, and he said that you know, it was appropriate because the U.S. economy is improving, and with all the growth in the U.S. economy, it was certainly the correct thing to raise rates. Ironically, the U.S. economy is doing better than Europe. At least in Europe, the numbers are getting better. In America, they're, getting, they're going worse. We don't have an improving economy. I mean, maybe Mario Draghi hasn't bothered to look at any of the numbers either, but we have a recession, we have a deteriorating economy, and I think ultimately by the time we get all the numbers and all the final revisions, and who knows when all those are going to come, uh, it will turn out that, that the first rate hike that we got in, what, 9, 10, 11 years, whatever it was, the first time the Fed changed interest rates in seven years, because all the, all the moves before that were cuts, right? It's been a long time since they actually raised rates, and it's going to turn out that the first time they did it, they did it when the U.S. economy was already in a recession. You look at the jobless claims numbers that came out on Thursday. These are weekly numbers, so we get them every week. And last week, it was higher than expected. They reported 284,000. It was a big jump. It was much more than people thought. Uh, They were expecting a decline this week. Uh, It was supposed to come down to 275,000. Instead, it went up again to 293,000. Now, they did downwardly revise by 1,000 last month to two eighty-three. But that 283 was still a lot more than uh, what they had originally expected. And now we got 293 versus 275 expectation. That's a big difference. This is the highest number of first-time unemployment claims, uh, I think, since uh, July, June or July of last year. And, you know, this is for the week ending January 16th. So this has been going up, up, up the last several weeks. In fact, the four-week moving average is now at 285,000. Last week, the four-week moving average was 278.5. So it's moving up. That trend is there. This does not bode well for the January jobs number, uh, which we're you know not going to get for forbid. So this number is being ignored. And yes, the weekly claims are still low by historic standards, but they're rising. And they may no longer be low in a few more months if this trend continues. And I think it's going to uh, continue. I think that a lot more layoffs are coming. And especially since we know, and I described this on my last podcast, how many of the jobs that were created in December were temporary or part-time jobs. So uh, these people are going to be looking for new jobs. Well, I guess if you have three jobs and you lose one, you're still not counted as unemployed because you still got two jobs. Right. You only lost one of your jobs. Uh, but we're not going to have all these part time jobs created again in in January. And we obviously got people being laid off. So these numbers are going to start to turn down. Also, yesterday, we got the Philly Fed for January. And again, not a pretty picture. It wasn't as bleak as the consensus. But of course, when you look at the revisions, it was worse because when we got the uh, December number, it was originally reported as minus 5.9. And the consensus was for January to improve to minus 4. Well, we did improve to minus 3.5, but it was from a downwardly revised minus 10.2 in the prior month. And again, they'll probably revise this 3.5 to some lower number uh, next month. But overall, it's another very weak report. We keep getting weak report, uh, one weak report after another. I mean, the uh, Chicago Fed number, Chicago Fed national activity came out today. And again, not quite as weak as expected. But they downwardly revised last month from minus 0.3 to minus 0.36. And this month, we only got minus 0.22. But, you know, the moving average went up. Because the three-month moving average last month was, only, was minus 0.19, and now it's minus 0.24. So the trend is still down. And again, who knows what this minus 0.22 you know, may be revised to next month. I mean, I tend to notice that whatever number they originally give you, when it comes time to the revisions, they always revise the previous number down. I mean, once in a while, they revise it the other way. But the majority of the time, whatever negative news you get, a month later, you find out that it was actually worse than they originally told you. So we continue to get more bad economic news. I mean, the only supposed good news was the big jump that we had in existing home sales. We're up 14.7%. But it's only because last month they were down 10.5%. And the reason we had these huge swings, apparently, is the government came up with some new rules, making it a lot more complicated to close on a mortgage. And so as a result, and they just, you know, they just implemented last month, And so it delayed a lot of these closings. And so things that should have happened in November didn't happen until December. And so that's all that happened is these these uh, home sales got shifted uh, from November into December. So we'll obviously see a big drop in January. And of course, I expect a lot of these numbers to start to drop in January because that's going to take into account the psychological effect of the big drop in the stock markets that began This year, I mean, it started at the end of last year, but it really the the sell off really accelerated uh, in January. And of course, we're also going to get the after Christmas holiday season season layoffs. And again, not only do I think that companies are going to lay off some of the temporary workers that they hired during the holiday season, but because the holiday season was so bad, not only are they going to lay off the temporary people that they brought on just for the holidays, they're going to lay off a lot of people who they thought were permanent who were there all year long, but now they're going to get rid of them too because it was such a bad year. Because most of these retailers, almost all their profits come from Black Friday to New Year's. I mean, that's why they call it Black Friday because they, the store is operating in the red for the entire year and they make all their profits from Thanksgiving to New Year's. And if, they, you know, if that was a bust, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be losing their jobs. By the way, we did get the leading economic indicators today for December And just came out a little bit worse than expected at minus 0.1. They were expecting minus 0.1. We got minus 0.2. And they did upperly revise uh, November from plus 0.4 to plus 0.5. But minus 0.2, that's the weakest the LEI has been, or it ties the lowest. Because we did get to minus 0.2 a couple of times last year. But we've never been lower than minus 0.2. The last time we were minus 0.2 was... Uh, minus 0.3, and that was in July of 2012. Now, you know we're going to take that out. The leading economic indicator for July has got to be bigger than minus 0.3 when you look at the carnage that has taken place in the stock market. Because the stock market, that factors in to the leading economic indicator. So we're probably going to have the lowest one. Now, my chart that I'm looking at right now on the uh, Bloomberg's page only goes back to January of 2012. And so I don't know how far. We probably have to go back to the Great Recession to get an economic indicator that's going to be as bad as the one, the leading indicator, that's going to be as bad as the one that we're probably going to get for January. So the bottom line is everybody is excited now because we're getting more money printing from Europe and, and possibly from Japan, too. I mean, they're talking about that. I didn't you know hear anything, but that's what the rumors, and that's what's driving everything. But it's not over until the Fed lady sings. I mean, she may not be fat, but she is pretty short. But Janet Yellen is going to have to join the chorus. And it's not just about maybe the Fed's going to slow down their tightening. Because uh, they're, they're still projecting four rate hikes uh, during 2016. But, you know, the Fed hasn't even come out and said anything. The last we heard from anybody at the Fed was that everything was great. That the U.S. economy was in great shape. And their opinions haven't changed at all since uh, the rate hike. But for some reason, Mario Draghi felt compelled to take one for the team, right? Okay, yes, we're going we're gonna to spare no expense. We're going to do whatever it takes. There's no limit to what we're going to do. But we haven't heard anything. I mean, I guess the Fed, again, they have this credibility problem. I said they were going to have this problem if they raised rates. They can't come out and say, we're going to ease too. They just tightened. So the Fed is going to try, I believe, for as long as possible to delay having to admit that they're going to cut rates or do QE4. So they're going to let uh, the Bank of Japan or they're going to let the ECB Throw themselves on these hand grenades or whatever you want to call it. They're going to let them do the heavy lifting or the the, 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 the printing or the, the, the jawboning to try to save face for the Fed. The fact that Mario Draghi went out of his way to compliment Janet Yellen on how smart she was for her rate hike, reassuring everybody that these guys are omnipotent and do no wrong. Right. Nobody wants to admit that a central banker made a mistake. I guess maybe if you question one, you'll question them all. They want to create this aura of, you know, infallibility, that these guys know everything. They're almost like monetary gods. And so they all have each other's back. So, they're, you know, but this is not going to work. And this rally will fade. And Janet Yellen is going to be forced, the Fed is going to be forced to say something. Because the economic data is going to keep on getting worse, right? This snowball is already rolling down this hill. And there is no way to stop it. I mean, even if Janet Yellen says something, it's not going to stop it. Now, if, if she does come out and say, yes, we're, you know, we're going we're to pause in our rate hikes, we're going to reassess or you know, we're data dependent, something, it will slow down a decline. It may even stop it for a while. But I think it will start the decline of the dollar. I think that is going to be enough to reverse the dollar. Because, I mean, the dollar is close to reversal anyway. I mean, you can see that that rally has run out of a lot of steam. It's just looking for a catalyst to move the other way. It's looking for any slightest little hint, acknowledgement from Janet Yellen. So once we get that, I think it's going to be a big turn. But ultimately, to stop the stock market from falling, it's going to be QE4. And I think even the economy. Because as I said before, the last thing Janet Yellen wants is for the government to have to acknowledge that we're in a recession in July or August, right? Because if, let's assume that the fourth quarter GDP numbers on their original estimate, let's say it's it's not negative. It's plus 0.1 or plus 0.2, right? So, hey, so even if the first quarter ends up being negative, officially it's still not a recession, right? Because you only got one quarter. So if it, if, if it takes until mid-year, July or August, before there's any official confirmation and the government has to come out and say we're in recession. And it's all the evening news. They all lead with the story, you know, it's a recession. Do they want that a few months before the election? Is that what they want? Is that what they want the, the headlines to be about the recession that the economy is in? Do they really want all these unemployed voters who are now being told that we're in a recession voting? Of course not. So something's going to have to happen, and it's going to have to happen soon. So stay tuned for more podcasts. It's going to get interesting. <music>